You're listening to the Irish Times. I was wondering, Pat, how we were going to start or indeed do a podcast on this Monday morning because the Pope had obliterated all sport that was on in Ireland over the weekend. And then, who, who am I? Who am I, Pat, to question hurling? Hurling keeps doing it. No, the Pope can't stop hurling. <laughs> not, not even the Pope. Yeah, the, the <laughs> under-21 final was on yesterday in Limerick between Tip and Cork. And, uh, in keeping, Which you, in fairness, were not in any way um, optimistic about. Um, no, along with every other Tipperary person around, <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, Cork had played Tipperary earlier in the championship and beaten, I can say us, I suppose, beaten us by 13 points. Just the 13. Yeah, and this is a terrific generation of Cork hurlers. They obviously have Mark Coleman and Dar Fitzgibbon mm. as the standouts in it, but a, a brilliant under-21 team full stop. And yet, they somehow contrived to not win this match in apocalyptic conditions in Limerick <laughs> yesterday, it should be said. Um, Tip played a, with the breeze in the first half and went in two points down at halftime and everybody thought, well, that is that. that's that. And they came out... I watched that first half, all right. They got out to a blinding start. They were 1-5 to a point up. Yeah. And then sort of like uh, like Wiley Coyote kind of looked down mm. and realised that there was nothing but a sheer drop below them. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then they kind of got gradually dragged back in. And by that point, you were kind of thinking, OK, so Cork are going to win this by somewhere between six and eight points and... Maybe that's not a disaster. But uh, Tip were superb in the second half. They did. They were the embodiment of, you know, that Inches speech that they yeah, have in, uh, yeah, what, what film is it? Any, Any Given, given Sunday. Sunday yeah. They just did every block and hook and they put in their foot and their head and their hands everywhere. The work rate was astonishing. And I think the conditions helped because Cork tend to play quite an expansive mm. game and it was very hard to do to hand hurling under those conditions. It was lashing rain for all the second half. And then they um, they got a superb solo goal from Stephen Nolan that put them ahead for heading for... Cork did. No, sorry, Tipperary Tip, did. Yeah. Uh, brilliant individual goal. So that put Tip 3 up. But Cork reeled off the next four in a row and you thought, well, that's that. And then Tipperary got a comically terrible goal in the last minute where it was like a pushover try. Right. Where uh, Connor Staken was on as a sub, ran at the goals and the ball and him and a couple of other people all ended up in the net and... Uh, and Tip won it. And they blew the, blew the full-time and whistle and that's that. They actually didn't knock that, tagged on an insurance score, would you believe, for that <laughs> after that, which was kind of amazing. But uh, yeah, it was thoroughly unexpected and uh, the very fact that it went down to the wire kind of as such a, a thriller again. I wonder would it buy your man the uh, the tip job, the senior job? Liam Cahill. Yeah. Yeah, Liam Cahill, the under-21 manager, he absolutely wasn't backing down from it. He was kind of mm. saying that uh, if they want to talk to me, I'll talk to them. Mm. But he has had a superb record with... Um, underage teams in recent years. He won a minor All-Ireland as well. And he actively has said that he wants to manage the under-20s next year because that's the under-21 championship is gone now, mm. of course. And of course, but indeed, that wasn't even the best hurling. No. Or the most insane hurling. Not, it wasn't yesterday. the most insane finish. <laughs> the, the most insane finish to a hurling game actually came down in Kerry yesterday in the senior hurling final down there between Lixnaw and... You say it's Kilmaley. I'm, I'm well, it's certainly Lixna. Is Lixna. How, they, how they say that's Paul Galvin's hurling club okay. down there. Lixna. I think it's Kilmaley, Kilmaley. Yeah, yeah. So I'm probably wrong. The county final down there and Lixna were 
two points up in injury time. Kilmealy drop a ball into the square and in the ensuing shamuzzle earn a penalty. Uh, given by Fergal Horgan, the referee, hurling final mm-hmm. referee from last year. Another temporary man. Another temporary man. And um, Daniel Collins stepped up to take the penalty and was told by Horgan that it was the last puck of the game. So no messing. This is, the score it and you win. Last puck of the game, meaning this has to go in and then the final whistle is going. Yeah. And crucially... Crucially, the people in the crowd cannot hear this instruction being given. <laughs> but also crucially... A rebound. A rebound is no good. Yeah. (laughs) But that's exactly then what happened. A brilliant save from Martin Stackpool. The ball comes back out, is hammered to the net. Everybody of a Kilmaley persuasion goes wild celebrating. And the referee is standing there going, No, No. I blew the whistle. And uh, needed to say a Garda escort uh, (laughs) uh, ensues. Every every guard that wasn't uh, protecting the Pope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was down had to get to protect Fergal Horgan fast. <laughs> when you told me that story earlier, I was kind of going, "Well, of course, like the crowd will not know this." Mm. Uh, so what does he do? That's the thing. What, what can he do? Can he get a loudspeaker and go? Just so you all know, just lads, so everybody knows. Uh, yeah, this is the. <laughs> don't anybody come at me after this. But uh, that was exactly then what happened. It was written in the stars as soon as he told the guy that it has to go straight in. That it was not. I wondered, go straight did, in. but I wondered, did the Kilmaley players celebrate? Like, did they know that the rebound wasn't going to count, and just went for it anyway? I don't know. Because presumably they knew. In the last minute of a county final, you're so you're amped see- up, yeah, you're not yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. taking direction well anyway at that <laughs> point, in fairness. But uh, either way, uh, Lixnow are the uh, are the Kerry champions. Of 2018. Of 2018, there you go. But that was about the height of anything worth talking about over the weekend, Pat. And what we will do instead now is go on to what is coming this following weekend. The All-Ireland Football Final. The All-Ireland Football Final. We have Sean Moran in studio. How are you doing, Sean? Grand, thanks. And Dara O'Shea is on the phone from Kerry. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you keeping? We are all well. Uh, Dara, go to you first. Um, uh, Dublin going for four in a row. Uh, I guess we kind of look at these this team now through a sort of historical context as much as anything. Um, how... How are they looking? Like, is this a, a foregone conclusion as we sit here on a Monday? I was down in South Kerry the weekend, and generally, the general gist of, of conversations, you know, around Kerry at the moment is just how good this Dublin team is, you know, and and it's it's probably not their fault, but it, there's no one kind of at the moment good enough. We thought Galway were kind of good enough this year to kind of give him to give him a fright or whatever, but. Kerry haven't been good enough. Mayo were probably the closest to, to, to you know, to toppling them over the last couple of years. But they're at the moment, I think they're as strong as they've ever been. You know, in terms of, in terms of, just in terms of different players like the likes of the likes of Fenton, the likes of Cluxton, the likes of Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. These guys are playing at, a, at at their peak at the moment, and they're just so lucky that they have so many guys think their peak at the right time, you know. So it, it's it's. I think they're an exceptional side. Uh, Tyrone really have nothing to lose by by trying. I think the best thing that happened to Tyrone was that they got the, the cuffing they got last year off off of Dublin, and that's out of their system now. I'd say you know. So that they're kind of they had that. They know how how at hearts and they have nothing to lose coming up here but it's just for me physically I just think that Dublin is such a big side that as much as Tyrone can you know and, and 
Tyrone, to be fair to them, are probably the best equipped team in the country at the moment to take on the dubs. But it's just, for me, the dubs are so good that even at that, that it's hard to see them getting caught, you know? Sean, there's a part of me that feels vaguely sorry for the team going for four in a row, if that's possible, in that Dublin are they're clearly a generational team, but they're not really getting much love nor respect because people have slightly shrugged their shoulders at this game being... Or at the start of the season, they were saying the four in a row was a foregone conclusion and it's a question of do they do five or six and it's coming to pass. But I think that always happens to serial All-Ireland winners. Did it happen with Kerry in, in 82 as well? Uh, it did it a did, bit. It I, did, yeah. yeah I was yeah, reading stuff yeah. about this over the weekend, yeah. And there was a much the same build-up to sort of the 81 yeah. final. Really, yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, more recently, Kilkenny Hurlers. Uh, you know, that sense that everyone else is just playing you know, to keep the thing going. I don't think it happened with Kilkenny Hurlers to the same degree because when they were going for the four in a row, they finally got met with a challenge. That was when they were met with a challenge, whereas nobody's expecting it on Sunday. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, unlike Dublin, Kilkenny Hurlers had tended to win very well all the way up, like even in the finals, going for their four in a row. They'd won the previous final by 23 points or something, you know. So, I mean, yes, I agree with you. The 2009 final was a a great event, very competitive, and and it was kind of a fitting way to win a four in a row. They really had to scramble for it. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, probably... These serial wins, as well as being, I suppose, an indicator of, of great teams, are probably also an indicator that the rest of the field isn't as, as, as strong as it might be as well. Uh, and I, I suppose you take that into account. But Dublin have always come out just about ahead in the latter stages of their All-Ireland. It is a remarkable sequence in, in, in that sense. You look back at the, the finals, like none of them won by more than a score. And uh, a lot of the semi-finals quite close as well. So... Uh, I know, I think that happens, yeah, you know, and, and I think the fact that people struggle to see where the challenge is going to come from kind of adds to that sense of inevitability about, about it. But I, I don't really see it in those terms at, at the weekend. Dara, what do you make of Tyrone? They're, I guess they've they've lasted to this point after, you know, losing early on in Ulster to, to Monaghan. They, they've sort of grimly fought their way through the other rounds, running up very big scores against some teams that were fairly inferior to them, uh, which might indicate the shallowness of the pool that, that Sean is talking about. But um, they they get here. Are they? What what are their chances? Like, are, are there are there chances that Mickey Hart will come up with something? But but beyond that, what are their chances? I think I think that look, Mickey Hart is going to come with Mickey. You know, Mickey Hart to be fair to him has 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 done um, to all to all costing Kerry. We've we found out about Mickey Hart on several different occasions. But what I've noticed about Tyrone is that like in the last in the last two games we'll say like I mean they weren't overly impressive against Monaghan in the semi final. But that being said, they they beat what was in front of them. You know, they they've you know, it. I just think that they're they don't have any. They don't have any. If 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 the hurling final taught us anything, that Limerick came in there and while they didn't play kind of exceptional stuff the same day, they just their attitude was so good that they kept. You know, they kept going at it. They kept chasing it, and as a result, they got over the line. You know, then despite themselves, but it was it was just down to kind of pure, pure application and and. 
believing in themselves and whatnot, they won't be they won't be short of a shortage of belief and whatnot in in the Tyrone team. I think they're going to be. I think where Tyrone are short. I mean, you look at you look at the good teams over the years, and like Sean said earlier, this is a team of the ages. And are they getting the credit they deserve? The Dubs probably not, but like they've, they've. I mean, like I mean, you look at the. the the players they have, like I mean, Brian Fenton, they have Kilkenny, Cluxton. I think has been the best goalkeeper of all times, you know, in in my opinion. And they have those players at at. I mean, they can they can afford to they can afford to bring on Ogara and drop him. He he was not in the match in in the last in the last the um, yeah. in the last common game and didn't get any airtime at all in the next game. Mm. You know, and they can afford to do that, and and I think Gavin deserves a pile of credit insofar as that he's he he's he's cooking them perfectly. Like they, they is every time they go out, their attitude is excellent. Their you know their interviews after the games are excellent. They're they're you know they're just ticking all the boxes. Like they, they I suppose for once for a better word, they annoy you. They're they're so perfect to be honest. <laughs> but like that that being said, though that being said. They play nice football as well, you know. Like, I mean, they're easy on the eye. And from my point of view, I, you know, like it's it's hard to it's hard to criticize them. I, I, I have to say, look, they've they've been a kind of exemplary kind of a bunch of players. And 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 do I give do I give Tyrone a chance just purely on the the Limerick game, the last of the Horning game? I just on that basis that they, they've nothing to lose. And these, I just where I think Tyrone are going to come short, Maliki, is that. I think they're just going to be short. You look at the the, the, the great Tyrone teams they had, we'll say, which unfortunately coincided with Mike's late career. But they're 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 good teams. I mean, they had the Dewhurst, they had the Canavans, they had the Brian McGuigans, they had the Ryan McManaman. Yeah, and this Gormley. this team doesn't doesn't have the 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 forward, the forward line of that. You know, they don't have the, the like again. We discussed the dubs. You're talking about generational players, we'd say, and and Tyrone had those. Not so much for me in this present team. You know that they're they're there. They'd be competitive. They'd be aggressive. They'd be physical. They'd be whatnot. But I just think that they just don't have the game changers to to turn over the dubs. That's the thing, though, Maliki. Well. Um, Dublin do have generational players the big thing under Gavin has been regeneration of the team hasn't it how, ah, how he's changed yeah. it yeah and it's, it's it's something I'm not sure that that uh, we we give him enough credit for but to me it's nearly it's one of his very near the top of his list of achievements I mean they're going for they're going for a four in a row here with a team that is uh, on average six months younger than the first team in the four in a row, like the team that won, team that started the final in 2015. I I worked out some numbers on this after the semi final. Like the team that won the 2015 final against Kerry, uh, their average age was 26.7. Uh, the average age of the team that won against Galway there a couple of weeks ago was 26.2. And what the Everything that anybody, you know, that you, you hear sort of Dublin people kind of defending, you know, you know, or not even defending, defending is the wrong word, but kind of trying to play down, you know, the scare stories about this being a, a possible sort of seven in a row, eight in a row Dublin team. Um, uh, playing it down by, by saying, you know, this is a once in a generation group of players. And, and it's not like, you know, the, the, the players that have dropped out from that 2015 team 
are the players who were talked of as the once in a generation players? They're just Connolly and, and Bernard Brogan, you know, these guys. Rory O'Carroll. Rory O'Carroll was the only player in in the country to have been nominated for an All-Star six years in a row when he left for New Zealand. Like, that that was how good he was. And yet, you know, people can't... He's just been replaced without a second thought. Um, and so... They just keep getting younger and younger. Every year he brings in two players. It's been Owen Merchant and Brian Howard this year, two guys who are still under 21. Out have gone, you know, Mick Fitzsimons, who is the all-star fullback, Paddy Andrews, who is one of the the best sort of score takers in the game, gone to the sideline. And just this constant regeneration to build a kind of a, a permanent empire, you know, it's it's a fantastic thing that they've done. Um, and I just look at the look at them on on Sunday, and I just I just can't see Sean any way that 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 there's anything other than a Dublin win here. I mean, be, beyond like Tyrone have a sort of a core five uh, of outstanding players. You know, you have your Hart, Donnelly, Colin Kavanagh, uh, and a couple of others. Like they 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 have their their a sort of a nucleus. But God, beyond that. You can just see you can just see John Small sort of shutting down Peter Hart for the day, Matty Donnelly trying trying to get into the game but not really sort of keeping pace with Brian Fenton or whoever, and if their best shot is you know Mickey Hart will come up with something, like it's ten years since Mickey Hart came up with you know it's ten years since Dub- Tyrone have beaten Dublin Mayo or Kerry in the championship like he I don't know that that that's going to be enough. Well, I suppose there's a couple of things about it. One, the first one is uh, Dublin's uh, regeneration. And it is unusual to have a team going for four in a row where you don't have largely the same same cast. I know you've kind of, there are still key figures yeah. there. And I suppose uh, primarily Cluxton, like everyone probably looks to the posts. Cluxton Dublin era, so yeah, that, that 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 would go. But but anyway, at the moment, yeah, it is true that they brought in, you know, compared certainly with twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. you know, twenty eleven, twenty eleven, uh, the, yeah. the changeover. Actually, Gavin Comiskey's piece this morning, a, a little bit of about that, and and he lists Cluxton, Keanu Sullivan, and James McCarthy are the only three that have started all five finals. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that's unusual in a, mm-hmm. in a in a in a multiple winning team. But I think Dara's right as well that the when you look at the the teams and uh, and in especially the panels if if you judge matches on you know who has the better players mm-hmm. then you know it, it seems pretty obvious what's happening here there is a caution that in 2008 i mean there was an awful lot of talk about how Kerry were better than yes. than Tyrone and even Sean Kavanagh although he backpedaled from it after they'd won uh, pretty quickly this thing about oh you know like Kerry have the better players but we're a team and mm-hmm. Mickey builds mm-hmm. teams and and that uh, but even that 2008 team had a core of fellows to all Ireland medals won, yes. so it wasn't quite uh, the same thing. I suppose the big thing they have, as Dara said, was the, bit, the, the, the hammering they took last year. Like that does tend to provoke a, a reaction. But also, I would argue, the last 10 minutes in Oma in the round robin match, mm. they were they they put a big press on Dublin at that stage, and you know on the narrow pitch up in Healy Park, they got things out of it and mm. uh, they really put Dublin under pressure and but for a, a missed free at the end which arguably could have been taken again because there was a kind of a uh, an encroachment by yeah. a Dublin player so the, the, Tyrone will feel two things they'll feel you know we were really 
humiliated last year by this crowd and that won't happen again. And they will also feel from those last 10 minutes, you know, we were actually very competitive with them when that match went down the straight. Now, I, I still feel that, you know, the, the, you're, you're looking to cherry pick the, the best things for, from, from Tyrone's point, point of view. But I think they will feel that they have a shot at this. And as you say, there is huge faith in, in Mickey Hart because, you know, he's, he's been in three All-Ireland finals mm. and he's won them all. And there is this sense, you know, that Mickey will think of some of something. Yeah, but I just I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, I mean, if 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 he was going to think of something, he's had the last ten years to think his way through All Ireland semi-finals, to yeah. think his way through through uh, smaller tasks than this. God, God knows, Tyrone have gone out of the championship to far worse teams than this Dublin team in the sure. last ten years. But I think know? what's the I, I think probably what you look at here is going back 10 years and saying, oh, you know, they weren't expected to win that. Yeah. And, and the, you know, they, they had some fairly ordinary players in the mix then. And, uh, you know, he, he managed to conjure something up. But, yeah, I agree. Like, it is. It's it's, it's, it's tenuous enough stuff. I know, yeah. Uh, well, we'll I, I guess we'll, we'll come up with verdicts, Dara. How do you see it in the end? I see it. Um, again, I agree with a lot of what Sean says there. You know, it, it's... It's double to lose, you know. I mean, the the, the big thing for me, and to, to, to kind of cut the chase, is that we're mentioning players here, and you, you, um, Sean mentioned James McCarthy and and Keno Sullivan. Like James McCarthy is about six foot two, playing wing back, half back, midfield. You know, he's he's adaptable. He's just the sheer size of Dublin. And, I, and, and there's one player that comes into my head straight away, and he's a very talented footballer, Mark Badley from from Tyrone. But he's five foot six, and you know it's just when he, when he's faced with the likes of with the likes of a Keno Sullivan or a, um, a James McCarthy. I mean, it's 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 very hard to see, you know. Good big and beat a, a good little one. That's normally the, the, the way it works. Mm. And from from Dublin, they just uh, they're fairly they're they're a very professional outfit. Mm. Jim Gavin, you know, his background being in the Air Corps before, he's very organised. He's very precise, and I, they they haven't they don't tend to make mistakes that often. You know what I mean? And no. I just think I just. Don't think they're going to. They'll, they'll have. They'll have kind of second guess most Tyrone's kind of. What can Tyrone bring to the table? They'll. They'll probably, you know, probably try and get Dublin kind of involved in, in physical kind of stuff. Where, but the Dubs are. The Dubs, in my opinion, are, are. They've been around the block too often. They're not going to get sucked into that. And Sean, same. Much the same. I'd say from Tyrone's point of view, you know, they'll, they'll think of the fact that Dublin don't win finals by much. Dublin only beat them by a couple of points. Uh, the last time they played, only a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, that they have this record back in 2008, harping back to it again. That was neck and neck, and Tyrone essentially kicked the points that won at an injury time. Mm. So there's no coming back uh, after that. So I, th- I, I think as long as they feel that they have a chance, the way Dublin play at the moment... Um, can encourage that because it's it's not as it's not shoot the lights out yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's not blitzkrieg. Well, there's no need to keep, keep bringing up um, 2008. <laughs> you just you, do, you can you can need that one slide now and again if you want. Don't, don't worry, Dara. We've we've a column to do for Wednesday. I think it might come up again. <laughs> Listen, lads. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much to Sean and uh, cheers, Dara. We'll talk to you again. I put on the heat in my house last night, Pat. Is that for the first time? For the first time, I think, since, uh, well, I guess since the last rugby season ended. And uh, here we are on the 27th of August. 
and we have our crack rugby team in. I always feel guilty about the onset of a new rugby season because I know As it brings should. with it winter. <laughs> <laughs> it signals the end of summer. I always feel personally guilty about that. Jerry Thornley is here and Gavin Cominsky is here. There's no need to feel uh, feel bad about it this year, Jerry. The the cold weather has come because the GA moved the All Ireland finals back. That's why it. That's exactly the reason for it this year. Um, but rugby is back, back, back. The Pro 14 starts on Friday night. Mm. At a snail's pace. At a snail's pace, yeah. Look, look at Leinster. Leinster are going on a too-much tour of Wales for the first two weeks. Then they have the Dragons at home. Then they have Edinburgh at home. Like, there was the chance to actually steal September back from the GAA and the Pro 14 didn't get the memo. <laughs> and well, September 29th it gets going. Rugby season doesn't start till the, pro, till yeah. the Interpros, which are two weekends of Interpros that go roll straight mm. into Europe. That's always that's so, always the way. That's always the way they've done it. That's yeah. been the kind of the lift off. Um, you just get a different tenor when the round four or five comes in and it's the interpros yeah. just before Europe. Um, but yeah, Gavin's right. There was an opportunity maybe to bring a couple of interpros forward in September, given that there's so little else on. It's going to be quite a, a relatively low key start um, mm. because normally the Pro 14 certainly in Ireland accepts that <clears throat> the GA ro- runs, rules the roost Absolutely. in September but of course they've barring a replay that ain't going to be the case but oh, then again it's not. Uh, how yeah. are we all? How How is everybody set? We'll, I suppose we go around the provinces a little bit we'll yeah, start, we'll, start we'll start with Leinster yeah. because they, they were the kingpins last year Yeah how, and I know that's the one that Gavin is closest to his heart. Um, so everyone seems to tell me, except for everyone in Leinster, who <laughs> was very quick to tell me I'm not. That would come as news to people. In their ins and outs are interesting because it looks like they've actually been a little bit diluted. When you I think saw that Johnny saying this over the weekend. Well, yeah. if you look, they've lost Jamie Heasup, they've lost Sean O'Brien, they've lost Easton Asewa, um, they've lost Joey Carberry, which is perhaps the most significant loss of all. Well, Sean O'Brien's back. He's just done a preseason, hasn't he? Yeah, and, Sh- and Josh van der Fleer's back. Um, but they've only brought in Tumani as such for as a replacement, like like for replacement, they're promoting from within. They've got the best academy conveyor belt in the world, bar none. But um, Joey Carby's loss is a loss because he's just they're going to miss that option. Maybe it, it puts a premium on Ross Burns' fitness. Otherwise, you are down to the you know um, Frawley and the Burn and and Ross's younger brother Hugh Burn, and it looks a bit just a little bit. Thin at out half now, so given far, that Johnny yeah. Sexton only played, I think, three of the regular season Pro 14 matches last season, I, I, and, he, I, and he won't be playing a whole lot more this season in advance of a World Cup year. Definitely, yeah. It's Joe Schmidt got what he wanted there. I think the, the biggest loss for everybody was Felipe Contepomi and Joey Carberry won't be working together. Mm. That would have been interesting. Mm. Um, Leinster have done, like, Contepomi coming in was just really clever, you know, mm. like Gervin Dempsey went off the bat to be their attack What's coach. He coming in to do? He's back coach. Back coach. Um, and the initial stuff, Ringrose and a couple of them were talking about it. They're going, obviously, everyone associates Felipe Condepomi with play what you see, flair, like one of the great players are doing that, 10, 12 and all that. But they say as a nuts and bolts coach, he's quite interesting. So looks like it's they've just nailed it there. He's been coaching away. He got his doctor's pr- medical practice up and running and was working in world rugby in the medical side, anti-doping. But he has been coaching away in Argentina. So this is his chance to move up a level mm. to the top to a real high level professional coaching opportunity. Big chance for everybody. You're right though, Tomani um, has to, I think he's going to be a very good signing. Sure. I think he's, got, he's got a guy who's going to do a lot in the midfield, he'll play mm. a, bit of, a lot of 12 I'd say, mm. big, strong. He's a wallaby like who took the coin and came up to Europe and st- after he played two, three years for a, yeah, tail end of Cheka's reign. <coughs> Cheka who's about to get, might be getting the bullet actually in the next week or two from Australia. But um, Which is a bit harsh. A little bit harsh because they're just not good enough to compete with the All Blacks. But, I mean, yeah. you know, who wants to play the All Blacks three times a year at the moment? It would it would ruin any coaching scene. <laughs> yeah, they just keep losing. You know, they, they keep like, holding seriously. with them and then they keep losing. Yeah, yeah. and then the, the knives are out from them in Australia. The best thing that could happen to the rest of the world would be that the Australians uh, 
push the button on Xhaka and get rid of him before the World Cup because yes. I don't see how to get something better in. No. But I'm going back to Leinster. What this highlights is there's no actual conceivable way anybody can pound for pound replace Eason Asaba because he just brought so much mm. as a captain, as a goal kicker, he as an out half come centre, like come winner, just, come yeah, full back. Yeah. He just, as someone who was always there, who was Mr. Durable, Mr. Dependable. That body though, fit. his body had. Ah, yeah, I was done at the end, 16 but, seasons but with a little the, break. There was no way, you couldn't get anybody to replace him. No, no. Just there isn't one available. But this is the thing. But they did make making Johnny Sexton the captain was. Um, it's just been it's been a natural progression. It's something that's been coming for a while now. That people might people see Johnny Johnny Sexton arguing with referees and think there's a problem there and all that. I actually don't. I always see it as that uh, it was. I think he'll be the Ireland captain at the World Cup now. I think Rory Best is 36 years old. Ideally, if Rory Best's body stays together, he'll be the captain. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll see a progression from Sexton doing this job. He's only going to play a handful of games for Leinster this season. <coughs> I think you'll see him going into this role. There is that leadership group with him, Peter O'Mahony, Rory Best, but I could see Johnny Sexton being the best option for Ireland as the captain at the World Cup. But above all else, it's going to be a test of Leinster without Sexton, without so many of their frontliners. Yeah, it's a big <coughs> season for Ross Byrne. The prove he's the four, third best out half Four in the tests in November. Hmm. An extra test in Chicago against Italy, hmm. plus the three tests at home. And then you've got the Six Nations window. So I think you're going to see the front line. It's going to be, again, what they used last year, 55 players or something. Hmm. Um, Sexton played one regular season game in the Pro 14 last year am I right? No I think it was three Okay well yeah, that's going to be the same again Yeah something yeah. like that the monster matches and whatever else but, yeah. and the same with most of the front lines so it's going to be a test and it'll be interesting to see like what are the young players can make significant improvements this season that's been, that's been their story you know what I mean something like Max Deegan might get a few more games I think Adam Burns do a good year and Yeah, some while ago there he's built like a machine mm. like, he looks like he could get Exposure that he was threatening to get mm. last year. There's a couple of they're, they're going to be okay. Like they're going to top the table. They're probably going to win the tournament. Like or if unless they're sated after the end of their European campaign. Like the Pro 14 is just this thing that they have that they get around to. Mm. Um, Jerry, what are we expecting from Ulster this season? New coach and all that. Um, they've lost an entire backline, first line, first choice backline in the space of twelve months. If you Add in Paul Marshall to Paddy Jackson, Stuart Olding, Jared Payne, Tommy Bow, Andrew Trimble, and Charles Pietow. It's an extraordinary mm. exodus and loss of leadership and so forth. So I think um, they're the second best supported team in the in the Pro 14 after Leinster. So expectations are high there. It'll be interesting what the crowd will, will be like early in the season. I think they've got a couple of early season games at home against the Scarlets in Edinburgh. So they have two games at home, which they almost certainly have to win because after that they're on the road to South Africa for two weeks and then they've got Munster away. Um, Dan McFarlane is a really, really good astute appointment. He's cut his teeth in, the, in this part of the world with Connacht. He knows his way around the Scottish scene. He's coached at international level. He wanted the job, you know what I mean? Which is um, John O'Gliff. The Scots didn't, didn't, want want to, didn't want to give him up. They had and to get John O'Gliff yeah. couldn't wait to get out of there, it seemed. Yeah. I think he's a really shrewd, intelligent man who's been on the coaching treadmill for a while, wants to be a head coach, has learned under Gregor Townsend and others. He's even worked a little with Joe Smith in the Irish system, I think. Um, but why did John O'Gibbs want to get out of there? Let's look at it. You know, it was the worst year you could possibly ever have mm. off the pitch. Um, and we probably might get around to Paddy Jackson had a very good game while Perpignan got, got hammered by Paul O'Connell's down, stat, Dad, France. The whole it year did, just it, warmed down. Yeah, it did. Everything. And he, he was kind of like almost a lightning rod. And he kept, he kept his peace, even when they were hammering him about taking the La Rochelle job when he said he was going home. Mm. I actually think that was genuine. He got offered a job in Wicado and then La Rochelle came in and so mm. we took that. But uh, like, there's a, still a lot that needs to be fixed there. They talk about their culture getting fixed and all that. We'll see. And they're Martin putting, Moore's a good signing. Jordy Jordy Murphy's a good signing. Yeah, Jordy 
Murphy's a very good sign. He's established. Marty Moore needs to prove that he's fit enough yeah. for starters. He hasn't been fit for a couple no. of years. Uh, Billy Burns is not the place kicker for Gloucester. He's their out half that they've signed to replace mm. Paddy Jackson, who they were forced into doing. They couldn't find an international calibre out half. Billy Burns, Fred Burns' brother, Irish qualified via Grandad. Um, so yeah, News 4 and the RFU gave the green light there. He's not the place kicker for Gloucester. Billy Twelvetrees was the place kicker. Mm-hmm. So he's not even an established place kicker. He's coming in and has to deliver off the tee or they're in for another tough season. And also, Dan McFarland, how long is he in the job? A week. So he's missed most of the pre-season because yeah. the RFU wouldn't stump up the cash with the with Scottish... At least, he's there. At least he's there now, Gav. I remember yeah. at one point it looked like he might be... Why did Les like Kiss not thing? succeed in that job? Because he didn't get... He came in late mm. after the World Cup and he was chasing his tail the whole mm. time. Now, granted, he didn't come in until October, I think mm. it was, or November or whatever. Lots of mitigating factors as well. The biggest one is Marcel Coetzer. If he stays fit and healthy, he'll be like a new player for them. He's, he's a, a superb player. He's a great player. He should be playing for the box still. Yeah. If he could keep his... And if, they can, if he can avoid a, injury, they've got a... a they, given everything, Jerry, they've McFarland got to... will make them better up front. Yeah, but they've got to be allowed a certain latitude, don't they? They've got to be allowed oh, to go slowly here. I, there's a no, little bit. There's no way on earth, for example, I could see them finishing above Leinster and Scarlets. They're vying with Edinburgh for, course, for yeah. a playoff spot again. Yeah. Realistically, like last season. That's about... They should certainly finish still above Benetton and uh, the Dragons. You know what I mean? They should certainly be in playoff contention with Edinburgh, but Edinburgh... Because those, those teams are terrible, though. Like, yeah. So it's, 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 where, where it's an easier conference to get into playoff contention. Mm. It's arguably a tougher one to win, come out on top of, because mm. Scarlet and Leinster are so good. It's not a very interesting league to talk about, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's a spirit is that spi- But is that since it has been split in two, does, does that even lessen no, the... No, that improved it. Does it? Yeah. I think the South Africans have been good for it. Unbalanced, I think they well, the will kings get better are, and kings better. Are, the cheetahs are going to hopefully ideally get better. Yeah, mm. there's, a, there's a good kind of core there. But the Southern Kings, I, that, that's what's going. That's going to be another dud team this season. Looks it like was, it. They have done nothing mm. that I've seen. That's going to change. They got a new sponsorship in and mass exodus and mass influx again. But mind you, the cheetahs have had a mass exodus and mass mm. influx again. So we don't know what they're going to be about either. But you'd imagine that given time. It should be a success. It has they certainly has Raz- provided a bit oh, like of variety to it. They're in for the long haul. Rassi Erasmus is on the board now. They, they've mm. they've bought into it, but um, we'll see. You know, like the Cheetahs will bring us some entertainment. Munster is going to be quite interesting because uh, Arnor Bota again, kind of like Marcel Coetzee, was going to be this really good established. It was going to be one of the good uh, an established back row mm. for the Springboks. Mm. Only injury got in his way, and he was on his way to Belfast a couple of years ago, and he failed a fitness test. One good season, I think, mm-hmm. over in England last mm-hmm. year. And Munster have come in from, so they've signed well, Gavin. They have, yeah. They've signed really well. Mm. They've signed the best of any of the four provinces, mm. yeah. possibly of any team in the Pro 14. Well, when you think of Joey Carby, the X Factor, yeah. What the game, you need, uh, what you need the with signings, Jerry? You need you need to fix problems that are there. Yeah, the main biggest problem with um, Tyke Byrne, obviously, and Gerber Grobler going mm. the other way is is. Tyke Byrne I expect to be really good business yes really I don't think he'll business. get into the Ireland team right away no he mightn't but he, so he should be around a fair bit and even when if he's on test duty with Peter Armani and CJ Stander they still have um, Cloata and Bolta and Tommy O'Donnell and Jack O'Donnell will come back at some point so they've got a lot of resource in back well Byrne's a quality signing yeah. Scarlett's going to miss him if he's you know just his work rate his phenomenal durability consistency and versatility he can play back row or second row you know he could really add quality in the big games as well and his, his ability over the ball and oh, his handling skills everything about him he's going to add another dimension to their forward play um, I would have thought that if all the word is in pre-season that Munster are going to really try and evolve their game this season now that comes with Teething problems invariably it just doesn't happen overnight. I thought there were some signs of it last season, um, but I think with Joey Carby going there, if Carby clicks, 
they're going to be fascinating well, like Carby, to watch. Carby and Murray is just going to be yeah, really fascinating to yeah. watch, and, and Joey like it's going to have so much attention on it. Joey takes the ball at the gain line. He's got good hands, got good distribution, wonderful feet, beautiful balanced runner. You know, he he, he has a running threat from ten as well. He's got Connor Murray to take up some of the fair amount of the slack in terms of the kicking game out of hand. It's a really exciting signing. Listen, listen to Ron O'Gara last week. I was interviewing Ron O'Gara last week. He was over for this Virgin TV media he launch thing. Him though, doesn't he? Yeah. He's been backing him for years. But yeah. comparing to Bowden Bart doesn't... See what Bowden Bart did in the weekend? Astonishing. He can't be comparing Joey Carberry to Bowden Bart yet. It's just it's different. <laughs> He's not different there. Different gravy, yeah. Well, for starters, nobody is ever going to be... There's never been a faster out half in the world. No. He just destroys teams. He's winger pace at out half. Carberry the third have try those. from his own half. Yeah, oh my God. Sensational. Now, I was watching, like, Carberry's season this year is when he actually probably will evolve into a really good playmaker because he has all the tools. Like, so watching Paddy Jackson there going backwards whenever Perpignan got the ball against Stad there on the weekend, you can just see it. He, he, there's a little thing, a nod or a look that he does to have people running off him straight away, even when his pack are going backwards. Just, it's years and years of working with Schmidt and working with others and it's a quality out half. Carberry, needs to make that transition this year into that that calibre of a yeah. half and, and also word is Mike Haley's been showing up really well in both Irish and uh, Monster training yeah. yeah really showing up well and you know he's got a he's got big shoes to fill they've lost their leading all time try scorer you know their their go to mm-hmm. man for a get out of jail yeah. card was Simon Zebo. Yeah. they've lost that so if he can fill that void as well I think they're going to be really into the problem with Munster last season was as usual they were brilliant at home Leinster I think were the only team to beat them it was the only home defeat in 11 league games, plus they won three in Europe, plus they won a couple of knockout games. So I think they were one defeat in 16 matches at home. Mm. By comparison, away from home, they won four and lost eight. And went out in Europe and went out in the Pro 14 at semi-final stages away from home. They're just not good enough away from home. They have to improve their away form. Connacht. Uh, they have a new coach as well. Yeah, uh, good he, was, about so him. he was doing the rounds over the over last week mm. and the weekend. Yeah, he had really good vibes. Uh, interesting, Andy sounding Friend. guy. Yeah, yeah Andy yeah. Friend. Uh, but just a word in Australia that he's a sound man, good quote coach, deserves mm. this opportunity. Mm. You've yeah. come across him a bit though as well. A little bit, not much, but um, just I was down and had to drop in the sports ground during the, during the summer. I was down there for some other reason. And Always uh, your second home. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a Lancer man. I'm a Connacht man. That's <laughs> the way it is. You've written the book anyway. <laughs> um. But I hear really good things. There's much greater clarity, much greater happiness in the camp. Um, you know, Kieran Keane was a good coach, but it was his man management. It was, it was, it was his relation well, skills. Came too late in his career. I yeah, maybe. I mean, like, you know, he's a good coach. Gaddy wanted him on board the Lions ticket as a part of their attack team. Wow. You know? Yeah. That was in another book I wrote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I hear good things about Andy Friend, good clarity about what they want to do. A lot of positive energy. Their preseason form has been very good. I think if there's going to be a significant mover in the Pro 14 this season, it could well be Connacht. If you look around their pool, I mean, yeah, the, the Ospreys have lost. Uh, yeah. Ospreys have lost Reese Webb and Dan Bigger. That's a big loss for any organisation. Um, Cardiff, I'm not convinced about either. They they could really launch a challenge for the playoff this season. I think Connacht. Jack Carty at half, or yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know he. I think Jack Carty is a talented player. He just needs to get his goal kicking sorted. Yeah. If he gets his goal kicking sorted, then that's... The problem about goal kicking for Connacht is you kick a lot of the times in the sports ground. Mm-hmm. So your, your kicking averages are always distorted by the wind <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming yeah, in yeah, off yeah, the Atlantic, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would, be, I would be optimistic I for Connacht this season. I think they playing with that, that kind of thing that got them into the, the Pat Lamb era when he, it clicked. I don't think it's going to be exactly the same, but I think they'll start playing with... That kind of became their identity, that they played a certain way. And, and they lost it completely then. They went away from it, which just made no sense. Well, they, they did they did and they didn't. Because last season, if you look at their form, they thrashed Leinster at home. They thrashed Ulster at home. They beat Munster at home. Something they'd never mm-hmm. done in their history. Mm-hmm. 
and they Zebra did the double over them and Edinburgh did the double over them like they're just madly inconsistent last yeah, season for whatever reason yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they bought, their squad looks a bit stronger um, but then again of course they have a huge loss to yeah. John Muldoon. I know we're talking to, Pro 14, but... I, well, I was just going to, to to wrap it up. We will be keeping a bigger eye, I think, on, on what's going on in France this year. Yeah. You know, you take the, the names that are out there, obviously Paddy Jackson, obviously Simon Zebo, obviously Paul O'Connell. Mm. Like, there's a, there's there's stuff there that we'll be keeping a bigger eye on than, than usual. Yeah, so the top 14 is on Sky Sports. Normally, when I come across the top 14 games, yeah. especially this time of year, I keep flicking. But last night, it was like, oh... Stad and Perpignan, mm. you know. It's, actually, by the way, it's worth mentioning one thing about the Pro Forty. Uh, the Pro Fourteen is uh, Air Sport have come on board now with Tommy Bow That's and right. all the lads presenting a show, which is worth a look to see how mm-hmm. what they do with us. Mm. Like Maz Riley's going to be touchline interview. Yeah, 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 that's going to yeah. be good. I'm looking yeah. forward to what she does. Um, and she'll be taller than half the lads coming yeah. off the pitch anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, that'll be very interesting. But yeah, there's just France is good now this year from an Irish perspective. Because what happens if, if Jackson and Zebo start to light the place up mm. right? <laughs> and then mm. a couple of Irish out halves or a couple of fullbacks get injured, that debate gets going again. Now the Irish, you've planted, planted their flag in the sands that if you're abroad, you're not coming back. Which ironically makes Simon Zebo a better proposition for Racing to buy. Because yeah. he's not like Johnny Sexton yeah. who's going back in international duty. Now they've got a fully fledged Racing player 52 weeks of the year or whatever the season is. Paddy Jackson, wants, 52 Paddy Jackson wants to come home. He didn't want to leave. Mm. Uh, David Newsford did not shut the door on him coming back to Ireland, coming back to this island to play rugby when he was his last comments during the summer. You, mm. were, I, th- I think you were at that. Mm. Was that down, mm. down under? Yeah. yeah. He, he said that so... That and debate just, it stays. Main, he's the starting out half there. Oh God, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He's their and, key player. And the top 14 this year, like Perpignan are back up, but like Claremont have to come back. You know, they had a disastrous season. The, the, it's called the curse of the Bouclier. You win the Bouclier de Breno, it takes you into the end of June and you're completely, um, give yep. me a polite word, you know, you're lash. goosed for next season because you have no pre-season. And you're just you're just, just chasing shadows the rest of the season, and you're celebrating, as and you're well. celebrating like Every, everything about it. It just it's every year it's happened. The Bouclier winners have gone backwards the following year, right. so Clermont will have to come back. They'd be one of the strong favourites for it. Montpellier, uber ambitious, loads of money from Altrad, you know, Pinar and um, all the players they have there. Montpellier, you know, so Montpellier. Yeah, Joe Tamani was talking about that place though. Mm. Why he left there? It sounds like they have lots of money and they've lots of, they've too many foreigners now though. Yeah, that's why Tamani had to leave. Yeah. Because, you, you know, they're reducing the numbers down all the time now. So, so you've got Montpellier, Claremont, Toulouse are still there. You know, they've come back last season. Um, I, Leon, I, big, it's called the, the urbanisation of the top 14. All the small town clubs have gone. They've all been replaced by big city clubs. Yeah. Well-backed financially, big budgets. So Leon are now a major player. Montpellier, big town. Toulon, big town. Toulouse, big town. So on and so forth. Perpignan, back up. You know what I mean? Whereas the Bayons and Biritzes and all those, and all are, those gone. are gone. I just want to see if... Yet... Yet, in the midst of all this, who won the Top Couture's last season? Who won the French Championship? Castra. However they did it, I don't yeah, know, no. but they did Terrible it. in Europe. I just want to see if Stad become uh, of course, the Paul O'Connell pack, if, the, if he turns into the great big, if they we start seeing Paul O'Connell-style forward play from Stade yeah. Francais, then we know that O'Connell is going to become a professional full-time coach forever and turn into the coach that everyone hopes he will be. Well, look, lads, uh, this is the start of uh, an insanely long season that mm. will be ending with the World Cup. So uh, we will see far too much of each other uh, uh, over the next few months. So, uh, yeah, 13 month season, can't wait. Yeah, so uh, thanks for this, and we will see you along the way. Thanks yeah. very much. Thanks Cheers. to Sean and Dara O'Shea, who we had on earlier. Uh, thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. And thanks to JJ and Declan behind the desk. And uh, we'll see you all again next week, folks. Take it easy. <laughs>